Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, we returned to one of the most important decisions an investor must make when it comes to portfolio management and construction, which is after considering all the pros and cons of active versus passive investing, which is right for you, whether it's better for you to be picking individual securities or sticking with broader based indexes and ETFs, because the majority of active managers underperform their benchmarks over time. So many investors have found they can achieve the same or better returns simply by investing in an index fund. But as a result, they miss out on what's known as the snowball effect, where small actions carried out over time can lead to big results and possibly wealth. So please check it out again to see which makes most sense for you. This week, while we've spoken about inflation and deflation before, we're going to take things a step further to ask if, as some believe, we're on the verge of hyperinflation or not. Some very smart people are arguing on either side. For example, with the CPI running more than 6.2%, that is the highest in 30 years. We have Fed Chair Powell recently acknowledging that inflationary pressures today are likely to last longer than previously expected and well into next year. Mohammed El Arian, as well, He sees evidence of structural changes in supply and in the functioning of the labor market, with uncertainty over skill mismatches pushing up wages at a time when aggregate demand will remain robust. And then there's Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter and Square. While he may not be in the same category as Powell and El Arian, he recently tweeted that hyperinflation is going to change everything. It's happening, he said, in the U.S. soon and so the world. But Don Luskin at Trend Macro says there are just three things without which we'd be right at trend. Without price gains in gasoline, which is up 43.3%, and motor vehicles, both new and used, CPI would only be 2.5%. And for those to increase at anywhere near the same pace over the next year is unlikely. The inflation we're seeing, he says, is not a monetary phenomenon or else it would be much broader in nature. Instead, it's merely a mismatch of supply and demand. Demand is pent up from the pandemic lockdowns and enhanced by stimulus, which are both coming to an end at last. That's true. With regard to current supply and demand imbalances, some of them will work their way through the system just like they did after World War II, after our soldiers came home. Today, as our economy reopens, people may initially rush out to buy more goods than they need in sort of a fear of missing out or FOMO 
for example, and those who were sidelined will once again re-enter the labor market, particularly in some of the lowest wage categories, which require a physical presence. To ensure adequate supply, this will temporarily drive demand and therefore inflation. But over time, we'll find a new equilibrium that once again will temper rising costs. That makes sense. As Leskin said in his note on the October jobs report, these generally least skilled, most disadvantaged segments of the labor market have been the ones most subject to, in his opinion, the perverse incentives of enhanced and extended unemployment benefits, which effectively paid the lowest wage workers more not to work and at a time when there are a record number of jobs available. In any event, with those benefits sunsetting at the end of September, like him, I expect payroll data will continue to improve. But going back to his comment about CPI not being broad-based, I guess it depends, doesn't it? Because as I always tell clients, each person's CPI is different than that of the next and depends on how one spends one's money. Depending on what percent of your paycheck goes to things like food and other things like gas, whatever they may be as a percent of the, quote, index, it may be a huge percent of any given households. You know, one other thing about the supply-demand mismatch, Kathy Wood of ARK Invest also agrees because businesses, she said, shut down and were caught flat-footed as goods consumption took off. They're still scrambling to catch up some double and triple ordering beyond their needs. This can create inflation spiraling as consumers and producers chase purchases, creating faster price and wage increases. However, oversupply and re-entering the workforce going forward, this will become a deflationary force where those who failed to respond at all or in time are forced to sell their excess goods at a discount. But Woodsfields, it's technology that will, as usual, make the biggest difference. And when costs and prices decline, velocity and disinflation, if not deflation, follow. And once consumers and businesses believe prices will fall, they'll wait to buy goods and services, pushing the velocity of money down. And yet again... When it comes to labor, I don't think those pressures go away, Laurie, for a long time, if ever. Over the past two years, there's been tremendous attention paid to address at least some of the gap between white and blue-collar wages. Companies from Amazon to Walmart and Costco have been raising the minimum wage to 15, 18, or even more per hour before Congress made it law. And to coax people off the sidelines as demand increased and they needed to hire, Companies have been offering everything from signing and retention bonuses to better benefits to compete and help employees keep up with the increasing cost of food, shelter, and energy. My point is, these increases, while they may not be repeated next year, they're here to stay, I think. Because once given, that's not something you can take back. That's true. And given the way Gen Z believes government must take even more responsibility to ensure everyone's basic needs are met, including health care and long-term care, those costs will continue to rise. But regarding things like robotics and automation, I think Kathy Wood is right. Innovation will be taking on some of the workload and thereby tempering the upward pressure on wages and the costs of goods sold. So the real question is, as our Fed and other central bankers worldwide begin to taper their bond purchases and raise rates, 
To what degree will they do so? And even more importantly, how fast? Returning to Jay Powell at the Fed, he acknowledged these pressures are likely to last longer than previously expected. But will they lead to higher rates or the same sort of oversupply we saw after the great credit and housing bust between 2009 and 2011? I guess we'll see. Again, on the one hand, we have technology and the dissipation of supply chain bottlenecks versus the permanently higher cost of labor and the removal of Fed stimulus, as well as the uncertainty of how much and how fast they'll move. So given what these others believe, what do you think, Lori? Well, if you look at some of the indicators in the market today, Treasury Inflation Protection Securities, or TIPS as they're known, are now in negative territory. That is, they offer a negative real return and there's an inverted yield curve with short-term tips at 3%, while 10-year treasuries are back around 1.5% and the 30-year is at one9 This, according to the bond market, means investors believe that this rise in inflation is not embedded or long-term. Millennials delayed life cycle demands during the pandemic, creating artificially high unemployment And even worse, even though they were locked up indoors, the birth rate declined. So with regard to the current mismatch between unemployment and labor participation, I believe it will work its way through the system. That wage pressures, while high for now, will settle, perhaps at this higher level than over the past two decades, but closer to historical norms of 25 to 3%. And that inflation will prove transitory. It is possible, like Nancy Lazar at Cornerstone Macro thinks, that it may fall even further back to 1% or 2% and sooner than most people expect. I think the bottlenecks in shipping are already beginning to improve. And as a result of onshoring, U.S. companies are beginning to move production back to the U.S. While it may take several years, these changes have become embedded in management's minds, which bodes well for supply going forward. So my expectation, while there'll be more volatility in pricing for a time and more in the stock and bond markets, given all the uncertainty over how quickly interest rates may rise from here, when it comes to investing, the purchasing power of money will decrease over time. And therefore, we just need to look for investments that are price elastic, that is where they can rise without impacting demand. And again, I believe that the greater use of automation and machine intelligence will provide improved productivity at a lower cost, which will be enough to offset the higher costs of labor and other transitory forces of inflation. So I guess my answer is no. I don't believe we'll see anything anywhere near the hyperinflation of the 1970s. Well, as our listeners know, I'm not quite as sanguine as you. Yields, for example, are low, at least in part because central bankers have their thumbs pressed so heavily on the scale with all their bond buying. So we'll see what happens when they stop. And as Rick Santelli said the other day on CNBC, it's hard for investors to hold trades if they're not working in your favor. So every time rates have so far risen, those increases have yet to stick, which doesn't mean that one day they won't. So I think we could have much higher rates at some point that will be sticky and not transitory. Perhaps we'll talk more about this next week, but for now, thanks, Lori. And thanks everyone for listening. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammie for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. 
LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC and advisory services through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.